The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right, the NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free, no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. Hello, everyone. I am Dean Linky, and let me right off the top welcome all of you to the United Soccer Coaches. That's right, the new name, brand, and vision announced just last week in Chicago. And welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Now, with the start of the college soccer season upon us, we will bring you the United Soccer Coaches podcast each and every week, right through both college cups, the women in Orlando and the men in Philadelphia at the D1 level. And just like last year, we will make sure to spend time at every level of college soccer, men and women. That's D1, D2, D3, junior college, NAIA, and even NCCAA. You can bet on that. But here's the deal. We aren't going to call it the College Soccer Podcast this year because, remember, we are united at all levels. And when something big is happening in soccer, we will cover it here on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Now, to be clear, you can bet every single week we will indeed be close to 90% college soccer in our coverage, but we will keep it open and every week we hope to feature a member of the United Soccer Coaches' newest group of 30 under 30. That's 15 men and women under the age of 30 who are committed to growing the sport again at every level. Now with that as the backdrop, what a show we have today. Now one of the great perks of this role with the United Soccer Coaches that I enjoy so much is it allows me to cross over multimedia platforms as a broadcaster and bring in guests that perhaps I have on a television show or a radio show I might be hosting. Now, that is true with guest number one, as perhaps the most recognizable female athlete of all time. She's certainly in that conversation for sure. Mia Hamm joined me on a statewide syndicated North Carolina radio sports show, The David Glenn Show, on Wednesday to promote her amazing work with the Team First Soccer Academy, which also includes former USA superstars Christine Lilly and Tisha Venturini. And she said we could share our visit on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. She talks about why she does these clinics around the country and also talks about the growth of the game, becoming an owner of an MLS team, and so much more. From Mia Hamm, we dive headfirst into the college season, particularly the Division I season for men and women, with United Soccer Coaches Director of College Programs Rob Kehoe. And following Rob, we'll visit with the reigning Division I champions for women and men, respectively. That's Kadani McAlpine, head coach of the USC women's soccer team, the women of Troy, and Jeremy Gunn, who led Stanford to -to back-to-back men's titles. And finally, as promised, we will end all of our shows with a snapshot look at one of the United Soccer Coaches' newest members of the 30 Under 30 Club. And we start with Edward Cartee, assistant coach of the Trinity Men's Soccer Program, his alma mater, by the way, and a fantastic guest. It's big show time, right? Because the college soccer season is here, and well, the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap has shown that it will indeed attract big-time names. That includes one of the greatest, if not the greatest women's soccer player of all time, Mia Hamm. And we'll hear from Mia right after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. 
Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Now, once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. And as promised, we kick off a United Soccer Coaches podcast with the great Mia Hamm, arguably one of the most recognizable female athletes any sport ever. A two-time Olympic gold medalist and two-time FIFA Women's World Cup champion, she also won four consecutive NCAA Division I women's soccer titles at the University of North Carolina, where she, in 95 games, scored 103 goals in her collegiate career. Then, in her U.S. national team career, she scored 158 goals in 276 appearances. An icon, to say the least, a National Soccer Hall of Famer to say the least, and now an owner as well, as she is a co-owner of Los Angeles FC, among so many other incredible accomplishments. I had the great honor of meeting Mia Hamm in the late 80s, early 90s, as a junior press officer for the U.S. Women's World Cup team, coached by Anson Dorrance, and that was really before Mia Hamm became Mia Hamm, if you know what I mean. And now, we are joined by the legend, yet the humble legend that is known as Mia Hamm. Mia, so great to be with you. Thanks for being on. Oh, thanks for having me, Dean. It's great to be here. Well, certainly thrilled to be with you, Mia. And coming up on Sunday, August 20th at the WRAL Soccer Park in Raleigh, North Carolina. You've got the third annual Live Fearless Soccer Clinic hosted by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina in partnership with your great Team First Soccer Academy and the NWSL's North Carolina Courage. Now, this is the first year that Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina and Team First have partnered with the North Carolina Courage to have their players attend the clinic. Now, Blue Cross North Carolina has given away 400 scholarships to girls ages 8 to 12 years old the past three years. This year's clinic, again, Sunday, August 20th at WRAL Soccer Park in Raleigh, expecting 150 girls ages 8 to 12. Pretty special event, Mia. Tell us all about it. We've been so fortunate to, like you said, team up with Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina and their Live Fearless campaign. It is our third year to do this clinic. We're excited about coming back to the Triangle area. With Team First, it's Christine Lilly, myself, and Tisha Venturini. So for us to come home, basically, and share our love and passion for the game of the young players of North Carolina is always fun for us. And to be able to team up with the courage and to see them back in the Triangle area is is so exciting. You know, not just for myself as a soccer fan, but I know for all the young girls in the area to see kind of the the heroes of today, their stars of today, and watch them, you know, every weekend play. So to have them be a part of this is just going to make this event that much stronger and connect you know, those players with the community even more. Well, those are big-time names as well. As famous as Mia Hamm is, Christine Lilly, the all-time leader in caps for men or women, is going to be there, as well as Tisha Venturini. All three of those players starred at North Carolina, went on to great careers for the USA, winning multiple World Cups and Olympics. Again, it's Sunday, August 20th. Now, 
Mia, one of the great things about this team first event is most of the girls for this year's clinic have been selected based on good sportsmanship in their respective youth soccer leagues, whether it's NCFC Youth, the YMCA, or the Triangle. But even deeper, and this really resonates with me, having uh, had the opportunity to get to know you in the early 90s, the core values of the Live Fearless Soccer Clinic, allowing girls to form lasting relationships, adopt healthy habits, and gain important team-building skills. That's what it's all about, right, Mia? Absolutely, and I and I think for us, you know, with these young players coming in, we talk about living fearless, living outside your comfort zone, really taking control of your own health and wellness. You know, for us, all three of us are moms. It's very important to what we do, not just in our own lives, but in our family lives. So we're constantly trying to make sure that the players that come in enjoy themselves, but also know that don't worry about making mistakes during the clinic. Be fearless out there. Go after it. And most importantly, have fun. It also means being the best version of yourself and living your life with confidence, stepping out of your comfort zone to tackle new challenges, not being afraid to fail. And having seen the Live Fearless Soccer Clinic hosted by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, I know that you also sometimes bring in guest speakers that will speak to the young girls and parents about nutrition and hydration, concussion management, and leadership, to say the least. Yeah, well, we've had in the past Indy Parlo Cone come out and speak, not just about her experiences playing, but obviously concussions is an important part of the new educational side of our game of soccer and obviously her personal experiences. Each clinic we have a sports nutritionist come out. So we want to give these young players and more importantly, the parents that are there, be able to ask questions and give them information how to help their young players, but also just, you know, any child be more confident and understand how to take better care of themselves, be proactive in their own health. We're here with Mia Hamm and Mia, it's got to be nice for you to come back to Chapel Hill. I know you lived here a little bit as well. Incredible time under Anson Dorrance as well. What do you remember about uh, your time wearing the Carolina blue? It was one of the best times of my life. You kind of come in as a young adult thinking you know everything, and then you're put into this situation where you're tested by the best players in the country as well as you know every single day putting yourself in an environment to learn and grow academically. So, you know, so many of the people that I went to school with and played alongside of I'm still in touch with today. And obviously Anson and, and Bill Palladino continue to have a huge impact in my life. So great that you mentioned uh, Bill Palladino and Anson Dorrance. As I'm also now reconnected with them. Anson Dorrance has joined me in the booth for the North Carolina Courage broadcast now, Mia. That's been great. And Bill Palladino is down on the sideline with what I think is the best team in the NWSL. Let's go back, though, Mia, as well. When you think about uh, being the, one of the youngest players on that first team that won the World Cup, you know, you've um, always been very humble as well, despite all of your success. What do you remember about when, you know, Mia Ham kind of became Mia Ham and the attention was there and people wanted commercials? And how do you remember dealing with that, Mia? Because that had to have been uh, pretty impactful on your life. It probably wasn't till um, I got out of college, so right around 96, 95, 96, just because the opportunity to play in front of crowds that really didn't know our team. Like, we had a, a, a strong following in the soccer community, but the Olympics really kind of catapulted us into 
an environment and an arena that we never thought possible. You know, more of our games were on TV, and um, the opportunities to go and, and be a part of whether it's endorsements or um, be on commercials, like you said, I just looked at it as a great, great way to help the sport grow. Well, and you had so many other ambassadors on that team, right? When you think about Julie Foudy and Brandy Chastain and Carla Overbeck and Christine Lilly. I mean, what a special group. Yes. No, they, they are. Uh, and what was really great about that group is everyone was so different. And our leadership, you know, our coaches, Tony DiCicco, they really allowed us and, and Carla and Julie really allowed us to kind of be who we were really created an environment that was fun and exciting but comfortable for everyone. Those times with those guys are, are, are definitely some of the best of my life. Now, how do you uh, shape your decisions today about uh, what you get involved in, Mia? Because I know people are still pulling at you, and you already said it. You know, you, Christine, Tisha, you're now moms. And, uh, you know, knowing Carla Overback right here in Chapel Hill, she's a great mom. You're a great mom. That's obviously priority number one, right? But now you're also part of the ownership group with this new MLS team. I'd love to learn more about that as you kind of assess how you make decisions on how you manage your time now. I think for me, you know, family is is the most important thing. And one of the things for me is I want to be there for my kids, and especially if they want me there. It doesn't mean I have to take them to every practice or game, but if they want me to, I want to be available. You know, teaming up with Blue Cross Blue Shield in these clinics is something I'm very proud of. You know, like you said, the MLS franchise being the first woman. You know, all these things are as hard as it is being away from my family are an important part in in helping the game continue to grow. When you look at the growth, right, uh, knowing what you accomplished and how you burst onto the scene and how, you know, you're still, when you go out, people know who you are. But when you look at the success of this league and the success of the Women's World Cup and even the Men's World Cup, and I love the fact that you are an owner now in Major League Soccer because, man, Major League Soccer is out of this world blowing up with 12 more cities trying to get in. What's your take on the amazing growth of soccer? We'll start with the women, but then now that you are part of that ownership group, with the men talk a little bit about that as well i think for the women seeing the nwsl and, and its success you know i'm excited and, and feel confident that this is that's going to continue to grow and we've been able to eliminate some of the issues and mistakes we've made in the past i, I think solidifying you know moving courage back to north carolina and and creating a stable environment is just part of that process that you see kind of the evolution but getting a television deal, I think, is important. And for us to continue to strengthen the foundation of this league. And what I'm hoping for the MLS franchise and seeing MLS grow to where it is, one of the things I see is it's a family environment. It's affordable. Families want to be a part of it. These teams are so much a part of the fabric of their community as well as ownership groups seeing the value of being able to to connect, not just locally, but globally. And that's one of the things that we see at LAFC. I mean, the ownership group is extremely diverse and and young and exciting and innovative, and they're bringing all their talents to not just make this a team, but make it a club. And, you know, we talk about uniting the world city with the world's game. 
you know, really excited to, to have Bob Bradley, really excited for our first DP signing and Carlos Vea. Just really uh, hopeful for the future. We have a lot of work to do, but at the same time, I can't wait till kickoff to see, you know, Bank of California Stadium just going crazy. You're not just standing on the sidelines, that's for sure, as you get ready for that new venture. A couple things here, since you mentioned Anson Dorrance, um, you know, we've seen you at uh, the NSCA convention. Just last week, they changed their name to United Soccer Coaches, and Anson Dorrance was out front saying they love the name of United Soccer Coaches, and one of the reasons was is because of their support for college soccer as well, and Anson's been very outspoken as well, keeping an eye on what April Heinrichs is doing with the Development Academy, but he still believes that college soccer, particularly on the women's game, is one of the best developers for women to get to the next level and play in World Cups. Your thoughts on on college soccer and now the United Soccer Coaches? I agree. The college environment is second to none right now. I mean, you look at parity in the women's game. You look at the opportunity for these student-athletes to go and train in world-class facilities on a full-time basis. And, and I think that opportunity you just don't really have right now outside college. So that's an extremely important part of kind of our youth development. So the fact that the change in name and, and focus from the SCAA is reflective of that. And, and I think it's important for us not just to look at you know, kind of ages 9 to 15, but understand, especially for young women, the growth and development that happens in terms of our our leadership ability. Because when you're in college, you really step outside that comfort zone. The lessons and the gains that these young student athletes make in college will serve them not just playing in the future, but for the rest of their lives. That is an outstanding answer, tying it all together. And Mia, I started the program, and again, knowing you're humble, but uh, recognizing you, in my opinion, as the most recognizable female athlete of all time. When it's all over, right, uh, 50 years from now, and you head up to heaven, what do you want uh, people to remember most about Mia Hamm? Um, I, I, think for, I think for me is um, that I always put the game first. I mean, that was my focus. That's into this day. I'm a part of different opportunities, you know, not just only for personal growth, but to help the game grow. And that's what I'm trying to do. And so hopefully that's what what I'll be known and and talked about for. I can assure you that's exactly what people will say because uh, you've been incredibly humble and helped the game grow in so many ways. I want to remind everybody one more time, as Mia Hamm is kind enough to join us, that on Sunday, August 20th at WRAL Soccer Park in Raleigh, it's the Live Fearless Soccer Clinic hosted by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina in partnership with Mia's very successful Team First Soccer Academy. That's the Team First Soccer Academy. And also joining in is the North Carolina Courage of the NWSL. They'll have 10 players out there, I believe, along with Mia Christine Lilly and Tisha Venturini-Hoke. It's going to be fantastic. Mia, one last thing here. Tell us uh, a little bit more about Team First Soccer Academy. Well, we started this. I believe we're going into um, our seventh year. You know, the three of us, and we also, one of our college teammates and Angela Kelly is part of our group, just wanted to give back to the game. And I wasn't doing my own camps and we just thought of this was a great way to hang out together and and kind of share our love and passion for the game with young players and we do kind of camps and clinics all over the country we're fortunate enough to be coming back to raleigh we're also doing um 
the Friday before, two days before a camp in Winston-Salem, and people can kind of check out TeamFirstSoccerAcademy.com for information on that. That's open to whoever wants to sign up. We just have a great time. Every time I go in, I learn something new from, from Tisha and Christine and Ange. You know, life is about the people in your life, and I'm very fortunate to have these three in my life and to share what we meant so much to us and brought us together in the game of soccer with, with young players. Great to reconnect. Uh, so happy for your family and Nomar Garcia-Para, who I'm a big fan of as well. Wish him all the best. And listen, honored that uh, you could be with us on the United Soccer Coaches podcast, Mia. Great to be with you again. Thanks, Dean. Up next, we talk college soccer. And up first is Rob Kehill the Director of College Programs for the United Soccer Coaches. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We help you develop into better coaches so you can develop better players. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Join in the month of August and save $15. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. Now, here's Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And uh, we're not just going to call it the College Soccer Podcast, although you know the focus is going to be heavy on college soccer right through the national championships, the College Cups in December. I want to thank Mia Hamm for being with us. And we're going to really shine the spotlight on this first show on D1, knowing that every week we'll take a little look at D2, D3, Junior College, you name it, we'll cover it here on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. And a regular guest that we will have, we're hoping, every three weeks. And uh, don't want to put too much pressure on him, but, man, he is big time. Rob Kehoe, the Director of College Programs for the United Soccer Coaches, and a good friend. Rob, thanks for being with us as we kick off the college season. Thank you, Dean. Always exciting, and particularly at this time of the year when we're about to have that first whistle blow to open up the college season. You know it. Uh, you and I are what we call P1 viewers of college soccer. That means that's our first choice indeed and can't wait uh, for both men and women. But with the focus on D1, the preseason rankings are out. You know all about it. USC, they won the national championship with Kadani McAlpine, who's on this program, but they lost a lot of players. They come in at number four. It's West Virginia on the women's side. But we're going to start with the men's side here today. Talk about uh, the preseason rankings for the men, particularly maybe the top five teams. Well, as you know, Dean, this is projections and speculation based on history and anticipation. And looking at the men's preseason rankings, you see probably the most common suspects that would be expected to be competing for national championships. But it's interesting on the men's side, 13 out of the 25 top 25 preseason rankings are from the A5 conferences, which for the listeners, the A5 would be the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC, the Big 10, and the Southeastern Conference, which on the men's side is more like two and a half conferences because the SEC and the Big 12, they don't have men's soccer. So 13 out of the 25 are from the A5. But then the other half basically are scattered from the other 19 conferences around the country. And as we know, the University of Denver, for instance, last year 
got into the national semifinals. You also had probably perhaps one of the biggest surprises and most unusual games in college soccer NCAA tournament history with Providence that's listed at 12 in the preseason rankings when they had the win at Maryland in that crazy 5-4 victory when they came from behind after being down 4-1 to and up to the 75th minute. And you have teams like Charlotte and Akron, University of Massachusetts, Lowell, Coastal Carolina, Florida Gulf Coast, UConn, which I think many feel is certainly always been in that category of the A5 conferences, but now they play in the American Athletic Conference, and then Butler University out of the Big East along with Creighton. So there's so much parity on the, the Division One men's side, and it's really spread through all the conferences. And as I mentioned, some of these programs like University of Massachusetts Lowell, that's a new D1 program in the last couple of years, and I think they had seven or more starters on their team last year who were international players. So many of these schools that perhaps do not come from the primarily recognized conferences have a pretty good blend of international players as well as domestic players. We have, of course, Stanford is ranked number one with Wake Forest. You know, the expectations of the North Carolinas, the Marylands, the Indianas, you know, all of those teams, the Notre Dames, you know, we expect that they'll be competing, but one of the challenges there that they have to compete against each other in their conference tournaments, and it's a it's a long, hard drive from being competitors to becoming contenders and then to become champions. So there's a lot of excitement on the horizon for Division One men. Of course, it all leads to Philadelphia. One follow-up on the men before we move over to the women. Not sure how far you've dug into the early season schedule, but are there any big games or storylines early on you're going to keep an eye on, Rob, on the men's side? The biggest one will probably be UCLA coming across the country to Maryland and that being on the Big Ten Network. And in so many ways, a game like that sets the stage for the college season because as you know from all the games we did on the game of the week on Fox Soccer that a game like that at Ludwig Stadium when you're going to get 8,000-plus people is a really a nice statement for college soccer, and it, it just projects into the excitement of the college season. All right, let's move to the women's side. As we mentioned, uh, great time we spent with Kadani McAlpine, my visit with him coming up right after my visit with you. And, of course, they come in at number four. For the first time ever, West Virginia, the number one team in the country, Nikki Izzo-Brown, big-time coach. Yeah, and they had such a terrific run the last couple seasons and into the championship game last year. And certainly there would be an expectation that they're going to be competing again. But losing last year's Herman Trophy winner, Kadisha Buchanan, we'll see how they fill that role because she was a very, very significant player in terms of the substance and fiber of of that program. But again, you have the Stanfords and the North Carolinas, the one team last year that had a sensational year and, and just didn't quite make the climb to get to an unprecedented height of getting to the uh, College Cup was the University of South Carolina with Shelly Smith and her staff. And I would expect that they're going to be very good as well. When you think about this, as I mentioned, there are 13 of the top 25 men's teams that were from the A5 conferences. 
And on the women's side, it's a little bit different. 21 of the 25 teams in the preseason rankings from Division I women are from the A5 conferences. That certainly states what the level of strength is in those conferences as well as that across the country. But it's interesting also within that to see some, some teams last year that predict, again, to be pretty strong that typically weren't your top 25 teams, like the University of Arkansas, University of Utah, Colorado. They got into the top 25 last year, which I think states much to the parity that has developed in the Division I women's games. And then you have the outsiders, meaning outside the A5 conferences. You have Georgetown that was a Final Four team last year that played some very nice soccer. BYU is seemingly always a national contender out of the West Coast Conference. UConn, again, on the women's side, out of American Athletic. And then Santa Clara that had a really, really nice finish to their season last year, just came up short from getting to the Final Four and their loss to Georgetown that would have had them playing at home uh, in San Jose in the College Cup. But unfortunately, that didn't turn out for them. So the parity on the women's side has just increased so much over the years and it's going to be very interesting to see how competitive that becomes throughout the season. Great job mentioning Kadisha Buchanan, the reigning Mac Herman Trophy winner. Let's move to that list. Uh, boy, some impressive names for both men and women on that preseason watch list, Rob. Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, this is projections. And when we look at the watch list, that's what it is. I mean, this is looking at the history of these players' careers to this point. There are no freshmen on the men's or women's teams, and there have been in the past. Uh, but this year, there are no freshmen. So everybody that is on the list is a proven player uh, within the Division One ranks. And so these are the players to watch. Now, there are others that aren't on the list that are certainly going to be players to watch. And this list is something that evolves over the year when we come to the semifinalists and then the finalists, there could be additions on those lists by way of performance through the season. So this, again, is projections. Uh, interesting, on the men's side, of the 31 players, 10 of these players uh, are international players. And that, I think, makes a statement for there's been an increase and a trend toward that increase in international players playing on the men's side, where on the women's side, in the Mac Herman list of 30, there are only four internationals on that list. In the 31 on the men's side, 12 of them are from A5 conferences, where on the women's side out of 30, 21 are from A5 conferences. Stanford on the men's side has two players. There are four sophomores on the men's watch list, six juniors and 21 seniors. On the women's side, Florida State leads with three players on the watch list. Stanford and Penn State each have two. Their watch list is made up of six sophomores, nine juniors, and 15 seniors. Talking to some of the coaches relating to the men's side, you know, some of the names that come up from the list are someone like Marcelo Arcuna from Virginia Tech, Mo Adams from Syracuse, John Gallagher from Notre Dame, Paul Hoffmeister, as you and I know, who came from Germany to play for Utah Valley Universities on the list. Cam Lindley, who some compare to the type of player that Ian Harks was, sophomore at North Carolina, is somebody that shines somewhat as well. And then, of course, you have Gordon Wilde at Maryland, who 
came from uh, University of South Carolina Upstate, transferred to Maryland last year and lit it up there. So there'd be a high level of expectation on that side for someone like him as well. But other uh, players, for instance, that aren't on the list, Eric Williamson for uh, Maryland, for instance, is not on the list. And he played for, he started all the games, I believe, for the U-20 national team in the World Cup this year. So you would expect to see him possibly emerge into that semifinalist list down the road uh, and perhaps be a finalist. Aaron Herrera from the University of New Mexico also uh, played on that U-20 national team in the World Cup, and he's not on the list. And then you have J.T. Marchinkowski, the goalkeeper from Georgetown, who also was on the U-20 World Cup team. So we'll see some changes in this list going forward. Uh, but those are some of the front runners. I've even had it mentioned where a guy named Chris Mueller from the University of Wisconsin, who I have an opportunity to see, frequently, who had a great year last year, became an All-American, and they have a very talented, explosive team at Wisconsin that you could have a Chris Mueller come out of this at the end and put up some really nice statistics and get into that finalist stage, and certainly that's happened in the past. On the women's side, it's interesting where you look at the final four teams from last year, Michaela Abom from West Virginia, and that Having been at the Women's College Cup, I hadn't seen West Virginia play during the year, but she was just such an exceptional talent. Bridget Andrzejewski from North Carolina also. She's a sophomore now, but she had a a very, very strong freshman season and, again, played very well throughout the tournament. And she's on the list, and we would have high expectations of her. One of the uh, favorite players that I thought at least from my observation in the in the College Cup, was Rachel Corbeau from Georgetown, a very efficient and effective central midfielder, and she's back as a senior at Georgetown. And then Allie Presock from Southern California, also a big part of that team's emergence into the Final Four and ultimately winning the College Cup. So you'd have to look at players like that as front runners on the women's side, with consideration for the quality of their play as well as the strength of their teams and the visibility that they will get. Inside the numbers and behind the curtains, great job, Rob. And tell us about uh, the key initiatives that are going on right now that you're working on. Well, for all three NCAA divisions, on both sides, men and women, they're looking to expand their seasons to either get more acclimatization period time on the front side of preseason training camp or to extend the regular season or has been has been discussed uh, over the past number of years uh, the division one men attempting to move to a full academic year season model so those are in discussion with our leadership in all three divisions both genders as well as with the NCAA in terms of the processes to go through legislatively for how do you make make these changes? Can we get support for these changes from member institutions and conferences? Because when you're trying to expand, you know, it moves other parts around within departments. There could be additional cost considerations. But one of the things that has been a concern for all of college soccer, because it's a a fall sport, it's in a pretty compressed season schedule from coming in in August to completing for Divisions 2 and 3 
uh, the first weekend in December, and then the Division One men, and and that's the Division One women as well, and then the Division One men, middle of December. So they have twelve weeks of regular season competition to try to compress twenty games in. And so from a rest and recovery, missed class time, training to competition type of balance as far as building their teams, they're just trying to get some relief from the compression so that it can be a better experience for the players and make the game of a higher quality because we're not just going from game to game, just trying to rest and recover game to game and try to minimize attrition uh, because of injuries. So that's, that's a big initiative. And, again, all three divisions are working on this specifically and separately within their own groups. Secondly, this is going to be a, uh, a transitional year for playing rules. What the NCAA has is a two-year cycle for their playing rules book. And over after two years, there is a review of the rules, and then they'll put together a new book that would then reflect any changes. One of the things that has continued to be top priority in those discussions, substitution rules and overtime. Our association recently did a survey of all three divisions, both genders, just to see uh, not only overtime and substitution rules, but other rules uh, that pertain to the game environment and management of the game. What are the views that each one of these divisions or perhaps even difference in genders have so that we as United Soccer Coaches, the association representing the coaches, can then bring these to the NCAA and say, here are our views, and say there's a difference in how the Division I men see the substitution rule than the Division I women. What can we do to make this change? Because right now, playing rules govern all three divisions, both genders, so you can't have a separation of women's rules from men's rules, nor can there be a separation from Division One, Two, and Three. And by way of our survey, we see that there are major opinion differences that would be appropriate to the specific games, and we just have to work to try to find the legislative angles to try to produce some changes in this so that we can suit the, the various divisions or the genders in terms of what's going to best help them with their game management and make the game the best experience. All issues that are important uh, to the game, I think, as well. Rob Kehoe, I'm so excited for the start of the college soccer season and so glad that uh, you're able to open it up for us as uh, we'll also welcome in Kadani McAlpine and Jeremy Gunn as well. Well, very good, Dean. Exciting to get the season going, and I look forward to seeing you on the road during the fall. Okay, that's Rob Kehoe, United Soccer Coaches, Director of College Programs, breaking down the preseason rankings and Mac Herman Watchlist at the D1 level, talking about some rules issues at all levels as well. I want to remind everybody that you can check out the rankings for every single level by going to unitedsoccercoaches.org. Up next, Kadani McAlpine. What a story. Led the women of Troy, University of Southern California, to a national championship last year. And he joins me after this message. 
Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Communication. Registration. Scheduling. If those words make you cringe, you might need a little help managing your club or league. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on everything they need to keep their organization humming. That means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Now, here's Dean. I want to thank the great Mia Hamm for joining us. Also, Rob Kehoe setting the table with the preseason rankings and breaking down the Mac Herman Trophy watch list. And as he talked about the great story last year, USC winning the national championship under Kadani McAlpine. And Kadani's back with us. Kadani, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches College Soccer Podcast. We've got a new name, Kadani. I know, I know. Thanks so much for having me. All right, let's uh, first get your thoughts on the new name, United Soccer Coaches. I think it works. What do you think? Yeah, it works. Uh, you know, it, it it will take a little while to for, for everybody to sink it in, but no, it works. It, 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 I think it speaks to the global following that we have at United Soccer Coaches, so I, I, I think it's a great name. All right, Kadani McAlpine, you uh, certainly caught our attention last year. We talked about it. Uh, you've got, to, first of all, you've got a great personality. Your approach to the game is awesome. Your story coming from Alabama and driving and making the mission, we covered all of that last year. So it's been great to get to know you, and then you also spoke at the college coaches thing. That was fantastic. You were great there as well. Are you still soaking it in, Kadani? I mean, can you still enjoy being the national champion? Yes and no. I mean, the, the season the season is, is upon us, so, um, you know, you're, you always change the focus. But, um, you know, so much has changed in terms of, uh, one, understanding of what that, what that journey is and, and how much it takes to actually accomplish it. Um, and then, then too, I think even you know, with your team, their understanding and, and their belief in, in just the process and what we're doing here which is phenomenal. As you reflect on everything that happened uh, looking at your team, what do you remember most about that journey and that title? It was worth it in the end because it wasn't all easy. Um, I, I think we grew so much, especially if you look at it over a, a three-year time period, we grew so much and to see the change in the women and their confidence and their belief from from year to year season to season and especially in the, the that this last year's season uh you could see their confidence shift and, and their belief shift and, and then ultimately to see them them win and celebrate their their work was was unbelievable and something that that will stay with me for sure does it change anything about you or how you approach the game uh, i wouldn't say change i think i think it it, it just solidifies that the the things that we believe in that we're trying to do they work they make sense is it a is it are we ever at a point where you're not growing no I think we have to continue to grow as as a staff and as a team and as as a program but uh, I think it does solidify that that we're on the right we're on the right path and we're doing some good things and you know we've got to continue to to, to go out and find great people to be a part of what we're doing all right set the table for us you had a fantastic team last year who'd you lose who you got to replace coach. <laughs> Who, who did we lose? Uh, we lost Sammy Joe, our goalkeeper. We lost Mandy Freeman, our center back. We lost Savannah Levin, our right back. 
Um, we lost Kayla Mills, our holding mid. We lost uh, Morgan Andrews, our attacking mid. We lost uh, Katie Johnson, our, our, our forward. And we lost Mariah Early, who uh, was, was somewhat of the, the conscious of the team. So a uh, lot to replace, a lot to replace. How's that going, replacing all of that talent? You know, we're, we're fortunate. Um, the group we brought in last year got to, got to experience a lot, and we had a larger freshman class that got to play in some games, got to play in some big games. So I feel like we're a little bit ahead of schedule for a quote-unquote younger team, um, and, and I, like, I like where we're going. I think uh, the goalkeeper race between Julia Murphy and Kaylee Collins is going well, and um, Allie Prysock has been with us for the past couple of years uh, as a center back, so she's kind of taken the leadership role of the back line. Um, we, we return our captain Nicole Mullen. We return Cindy Sladek. So we've got a, we've got a group, and and of course you've got two forwards that scored goals for us last year, Alex Anthony and Leah Pruitt. So we've got some core players who I think it's their time to step up and get things done. And I like the chemistry of this group a lot. I look forward to watching that big picture. I called the North Carolina Courage game last Saturday against Seattle with Anson Dorrance. A couple things about that. Katie Johnson came off the bench. She's been the super sub of not just Seattle, but of the entire league. I think I don't think there's a player that's been subbed in more games than Katie Johnson. And when she gets on the field, she's getting it done. I bring that up because you know that's uh, another key part as you think about uh, you grooming players for the NWSL, which is showing stability. I also bring it up because Anson Dorrance during the broadcast sung your praises, which at the end of the day, Anson Dorrance is, you know, the John Wooden, right, of soccer coaches, or maybe it's the other way around. And now there's parody and, and new coaches coming on. What does it mean to you, though, to hear Anson Dorrance say great things about you? And then maybe even Mia Hamm continue to say great things about the important role college soccer plays in the development of our national team programs, let alone great human beings? Well, first of all, I mean, when you, when you look at Anson and, and the work he's done at North Carolina, it's hard not to to use it as as sort of a guide. I mean, that kind of success is is hard to replicate. Probably won't be replicated ever. So you know, I, when we when we step into this, you're trying to just get to a point where you can be anywhere close to the level. So for us to have the success that we did uh, last year playing North Carolina, and then to, for them to to be in the the College Cup with us and 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 whatnot, and for him to to be um, as gracious as he was the day we played them in the College Cup and, and to continue to be um, as gracious as he has been about us is, is huge for for not just myself but the direction of the program. I think uh, it, it, it definitely gives us uh, a little bit of lift. Um, but, but college soccer, I think, has a, a really important role. And as you look at the development of these women, um, there's so many teams, so many great players, so many great coaches pushing them, driving them, um, you know, it, hopefully it, it it will allow our league to continue to grow so that we can have expansion and more places for them to play and ultimately drive the wages so that these women can get paid to do what they love to do and that they're showing that they're very capable of doing it. As you look at uh, what Katie Johnson is doing, we just mentioned her, and just the entire NWSL, what are your thoughts on the league? I've been really impressed, Kadani. You know, I've been to a couple of games myself this year, and, you know, there, there's some wonderful players but, you know, the, the part that is frustrating are the players that, that aren't on teams that, that are great players. Uh, you know, you look at the talent that's on the bench in a lot of these teams, and you're like, man, you know, I, I got to coach against or see these, these women play, and they're, they're phenomenal. So um, I, I love the league. I love where, where it's going. I love the, the, the level of the player and, and the intensity that they play with. Um, we just need more of them. 
Preseason rankings are out. Your number four, the Mac Herman Trophy watch list is out as well. Do you pay any attention to either one of those lists? Definitely, you know, not the not the preseason ranking. I mean, we're only what we what we do on the field, and so we we haven't done anything yet. So for me, we're we're at zero, and we're a work in progress, and we're going to try to grow to the end of the year um, to be on that that ranking list and hopefully be in the top spot. You know, so um, for me, not not much is is changed by knowing that you know it's 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 nice, but not much has changed by knowing that we're ranked number four. Um, as the Herman watch list, I think that I think that's a wonderful list. I think uh, it's always nice for players to know that, that they're being recognized by people out there and uh, that the work that they're putting in is, is being recognized. And I think, you know, for in our um, position, Ali Prasak has had two great years and somewhat overlooked because of the players she's been playing around. So for her to get a little... Um, get a little praise for the work that she's put in, I think, you know, will only benefit her and, and give her some confidence going into the season. Kadani, I'm sure you're only focused on your team, which makes sense. Uh, but with the preseason rankings out there, are there some teams that you think uh, could be pretty special? Do you, have you looked at that at all? Uh, well, just coming off last year and knowing what a lot of, a lot of teams are returning, especially some of the kids they've got coming in, there, there are a lot of great teams out there. Uh, just in our conference alone, you're looking at Stanford and UCLA having some some really loaded rosters and bringing back a lot. Um, you look at you know West Virginia, though they lost two big ones, they they still keep a lot of their team intact. You look at uh, what North Carolina did with a with a young roster. You you, you got to look at them. You look at Florida State. You look at Penn State, what they're bringing back from uh, the U20 World Cup. So there there are a lot of really really good teams, and I'm sure I've overlooked somebody out there. But uh, those are those are on the tip of the tongue as, as teams that I that I know will will definitely have some big seasons ahead of them. Finally, kind of going back to my opening question, just as uh, you think about uh, you know reflecting, has it uh, your success also opened uh, some new doors where people are saying, "Hey, I want to hear from Kadani McAlpine," and I say that because first of all, you just listen to you now, you're fantastic. But uh, I mean, you're so knowledgeable, you're so well spoken. Have some other doors opened uh, because of that success? They're not necessarily my own doors, but but doors of other people. I've I've been stopped by a lot of coaches just asking questions and and uh, you know even parents you know just uh, thanking me and praising me for the work that that we've done here as, as a staff and um, you know I'm I'm more concerned about getting the the next coach out there the next the next coach moving forward and, and believing that it can be possible to to navigate this this uh, profession and and. Uh, coach at the highest level and coach some of the highest players, uh, the best players, because I think there are a lot of great coaches out there that don't necessarily have the talent or the resources at their, their schools that are doing some wonderful work that may not have the records that we know about, but um, are some phenomenal coaches. Finally, last question, knowing all the players you have to replace, and that list is indeed impressive, and as we know, some of them have gone on to play in the NWSL and elsewhere. What has to happen? What has to go right? What are the keys for USC to repeat as national champions? Wow. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be it's going to be, we're going to have to get better every week. Um, our, our young players are going to have to get old really, really fast, especially in the back half of our team. I think attacking-wise, we'll be pretty dangerous. We'll have some opportunities to score, but uh, that one of the things that has been um, great about our team over the last few years is we've, we've been really good defensively. And if we can if we can grow in that area where we lost a lot of experience and a lot of understanding of, of how to get people in the right places and organize and deal with situations, um, if we can grow in that area, I think we'll we'll be a team that later in the year uh, people will have to pay attention to and, and be ready to play. 
Kadani McAlpine, the head coach of the reigning, and we can say it all year long, the reigning <laughs> national that. champion USC Trojans. He's the real deal. Count me as one of your big fans. I'm super impressed, Kadani. Thanks again for being a part of our college soccer coaches social last year. You were big time, and enjoy your success, and uh, enjoy the challenge of trying to repeat. I really appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much, Dean. I appreciate it. Up next, Jeremy Gunn, head coach of the Stanford men's soccer team. You're back-to-back Division I champions in men's soccer. By being a member of the United Soccer Coaches, you are a part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find coaches who are passionate about bettering themselves and their players. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org to find out more. Now, once again, here's our host, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, our college soccer edition. As we get rolling, we're coming to you every week now as part of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I want to thank Kadani McAlpine. He won it with USC on the women's side. And how about Jeremy Gunn? He's won it back-to-back years. you have any idea how hard that is? And guess what, folks? He started last year's college soccer podcast. He ended last year's college soccer podcast and you know what that means he's got to start this year's as well as we keep the karma going and i'll say it again jeremy gunn back to back national champions sounds pretty good it, it really does yes yeah. so thank you for the compliment with that um <laughs> we don't spend too much time thinking about it you know because we're we're always busy looking forward always busy looking at the players we have and how we're going to improve but um having a little pat on the back every once in a while doesn't hurt you know yeah, well, it's been a magical run, and it's been a magical run in your personal life as well. You got a little youngster as well. I mean, you you know, I keep joking with you about karma and that type of thing, but uh, things are rolling pretty good for you, including uh, your young child. Yeah, life's wonderful, you know. Um, I think a lot of more intelligent people than me have been quoted as it's never quite as good as you think it is and never quite as bad as you think it is, and certainly when you're when you come off a soccer field, either winning or losing, you have to put it all in perspective. Um, but, um, you know, on the field, we've worked tremendously hard. And soccer is such a fickle sport with such fine lines. And we've come out on, on the right end of some such, such close results over the last couple of years. Um, but then, obviously, yeah, off the field, um, couldn't be happier. You know, I've got a, a lovely 15-month-year-old son called Tomas. And... Uh, Getting pretty excited about him. He came out to camp one of the days and goes running over to the soccer ball and start kind of dribbling it. So I'm thinking, yes, I've got a soccer player. And then he comes out the next day and goes running straight past the ball that I'd strategically put out there and started climbing on the golf cart. So um, <laughs> we've still got some work to do there, but I think we're on the right track, you know? Yeah, well, if he ends up golfing, that's not a bad life either. Uh, if he <laughs> that's is, true, yeah. 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 If he is attacking I'm, I'm, that ball, I'm get that left foot. <laughs> exactly. Make sure you get yeah. that left foot out, right, if he's attacking that ball, right? Uh, oh, always. I, I keep, you know, when everybody keeps talking about how we're trying to move forward in the United States, um, there's all the arguments, and I keep saying it's moving forward at a massive rate because of all the parents, the, the men and women who are now, we were soccer players who now they're all training their young kids and they all know to keep throwing the ball at the left foot and all of those things. So the level of coaching between the ages of one and 10 is just absolutely exponentially better. And uh, 
I'm trying to work towards that, but who knows what will happen, you know. He keeps kicking it with his right foot some of the time, which is very displeasing at the moment, you know. Well, good times indeed on the field and off. Uh, going back to the field, can you pinpoint maybe uh, a couple things or even three things that uh, have been keys for you to go back-to-back? Because in the college game, men or women, the parity now, it's almost impossible, Coach. It's not impossible because they're both two separate entities. But, yeah, it, it's certainly – it really is super tough. And um, like I said before, the margins are so, so fine, I think um, – you know, in last year, I could have easily come off the field in five games, having lost the game instead of winning it, and I wouldn't have been able to argue. Um, we were just in tight games, and we were scoring that goal that mattered. Um, you know, two years ago, we we were loaded with incredible firepower, and so um, you know, we we were really confident in being able to take every game to every opponent and outscore them. Um, this last year, probably the, the things that actually came down to with, with this group were um, we knew that we were going to have the experience on how to navigate this process, and we knew we were going to be a tough team to play against. And so we knew we could always keep ourselves in games by the way we were going to play. Um, and as a result, you know, we went through the whole tournament without letting the goal in, which was an unbelievable feat by the guys. Mm. Um and then we we also kind of looked at it at the beginning of the year and said, okay, well, where are we going to get a goals from? And we figured, we knew that Foster was always going to be someone who'd be a handful, and we are hoping that he'd have a great year scoring, and he did. And we figured that, um, okay, well, we're going to have to make sure we um, translate set pieces into goals um, because that might be the difference for us this year because we wouldn't be scoring quite as much from open play. And... Um, as it happens, all three of those things seem to come alive for us. But then the other one as well is just um, preparation with how we go about stuff. And if, if you're in a knockout tournament, there's every chance you're going to end up going to penalties at some point in time in the tournament. Maybe not quite as much as I planned on in the last <laughs> couple of years. Um, but it's, it's part of the game. And love it or hate it, while it's part of the game, um, I think we prepared well for it. Indeed, that's a great setup because I don't know if you remember, but last year we talked about uh, you know who you were going to use to replace Jordan Morris. Who did you lose off of this uh, second championship team, Coach? Who do you got to replace? Andrew Epstein, who had a phenomenal career in yeah. goal. He was uh, you know absolutely rock solid at the back as a keeper. Um, I think it was fair to say if you looked around the country over the last two years, there were some incredible keepers, and there were the keepers that were bigger, stronger, quicker, better shot stoppers better with their feet. You know, people could outdo him in all these different categories that you would look at if you're scouting a great keeper. But he outdid everybody in one category, which was um, stopping shots in in games and not giving away goals and not costing the team results. You know, I think in the course of two years, I could probably have put him at fault for two goals, which is a ridiculous mm. statistic. And so, in my mind, uh, based on outcomes of performance in games, not on the different categories, but in the flat-out outcomes, I think he was the best keeper in the country. Um, not saying he was the best equipped to move on, but with the performance, he was the best keeper. Um, that was a huge loss. And then uh, Brian Anasinkum uh, was a tremendous defender at the bat. He was so sharp and such a great leader as a captain. Um, and so those two out of the, the back four plus keeper are, are big losses. And then 
The only other two we lost was uh, Adrian Olabi, who saw minutes up front, and Trevor Hyman, who played across the midfield. And so, you know, we actually, we, we returned, you know, nine starters in theory. And so, um, you know, if you talk on paper, we've got a, a wonderful class that have arrived, but a lot of veterans coming back on paper, we're in a good spot. But uh, like I said before, soccer's fickle, and so... Um, you know, if we get too excited about ourselves, that's generally when we'll fall over our own feet, I think. What is your process uh, these days, Jeremy? As you said, you're bringing back nine starters, but you always got to restock and, you know, be ready down the road as well. You're seeing a, a little bit more of a mix where a lot of coaches are going the international route. Some are even going down to South America. They're also looking at the transfer route. What's your philosophy on how you restock, coach? We have a philosophy called Stanford Admissions. Uh, <laughs> Good that, point. That is the be-all and end-all. And so um, it all starts there for us, and it ends there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we have such a finite pool that are actually recruitable to us. Um, um, strangely enough, we, we went five years without any any overseas student-athletes. And uh, actually this year we've added two goalkeepers, uh, one from England and one from Spain, Um that very much kind of fell into our hands rather than us proactively going out on that recruiting path overseas. And so for us, we're always having to plan ahead. We're having to vet people out academically whether they can even get into the ballpark for us. Um, I think, you know, recruiting such a big part for everybody. I'd probably say most programs, coaches get their heart broken when people choose other programs over theirs and that goes around, you know, you win some, you lose some. We don't get a heart broken too much by people choosing other programs too often because Stanford University is such a special place. It kind of recruits for us in that capacity. But we we get our barrier of entry from admissions where um, we get a heart broken by admissions more so than, than losing out to other areas, you know. Well, it's great to have you on, you know, and you think about uh, our time with Mia Hamm and then Kadani McAlpine, you know, talking about the fact that the NWSL is, you know, thriving and you've got uh, the players that uh, in college, Anson Dorrance uh, at the Courage game last Saturday night, talking about how the college game continues to, you know, prepare players for the next level. That debate, you know, continues to kind of you know, be a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper when you talk about uh, the men's college game. But then, guess what? The other day against Jamaica, there's a guy named Jordan Morris who scored the game winner to give the USA their sixth Gold Cup. Right. So, as you uh, think about that, what's your take on where college soccer fits today? You know, there's still a lot of talk about the full year. You heard Rob Keel talk about it on this show as well. What's your uh, company line on all of that, Coach? stronger than it's ever been in so many ways. Um, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, people will always take shots at college soccer because there are areas that we have to improve. We desperately want to stretch the season out over to the full year, uh, which would make a lot more sense. It would be better for everybody involved, and that's something that um, I don't think that's just on college coaches to push. I think the club players, the club families who are all going into this process and help us push that forward because they're going to be the people who reap the benefits from it. And so um, uh, college soccer is such a special and unique environment. I think on the women's side, it's a clear-cut path because you're not dealing with other outside entities as much. And the path follows the same sort of path as a lot of the other American sports do with college up to the pros. On, On the men's soccer side, 
it is cloudier. There are other options. And I think when you have a guy like Pulisic who's ready to go overseas and do what he's doing, fantastic. Then don't go to college. But for so many people, the college route is an amazing experience. It's amazing life experience. It's an amazing growth experience. And it's an amazing um, developmental time as a soccer player. And every time... You know, it, it, it was awesome watching Geordie score the other day. It's such a proud moment for us all watching because, you know, anybody who watched the game, I thought he played absolutely fantastic. He was definitely at fault for the Jamaica goal. So he could have been looking down the barrel of worrying about what the headlines will be and how he's going to mm-hmm. get criticised. And instead, he shows the fortitude to stick in there and uh, score a great winner. Um but if you look at the MLS every week, there's guys that are fresh out of college doing fantastic. Just down the road here at San Jose, a couple of guys straight out of the Pac-12 from this, you know, Nick Lima has been phenomenal at right back. And that's a guy who was a four-year veteran in the league. And, and you'll see around the country constantly great people being developed from the college environment. The games are exciting. The standard gets better. And the end product of players moving on continues to get better and better. Now, what's going to happen with the MLS, though, they they will start to squeeze on it more and more. There'll be more homegrown guys signed. There'll be more people skipping college than ever before. But the college game is still going to keep growing and growing. And like what you said, there, there might be more and more foreigners in the, the college ranks as well because... People in the rest of the world are realizing, why get on the scrap heap, leaving school at 16? Why not get an education and follow your dreams of becoming a pro athlete as well? Listen, good luck going for back to back to back. Congratulations on all your success. Couldn't have asked for a better guest to kick off our college soccer podcast season. Coach Jeremy Gunn, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And to all the fans out there, please come out and support college soccer. It's an amazing product, and uh, we'll be looking forward to another exciting season. He is 100% correct. Just a couple weeks ago, the United Soccer Coats unveiled their newest class of 30 under 30, 15 men, 15 women under the age of 30 years old who are dedicating their lives to the passion of soccer and making a big difference. We'll try our best to visit with a member of the 30 under 30 each and every week, and we'll do that next on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Want 15 extra hours each week? Team Snap can help give it to you. Their customers save tons of time every week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Once again, here's Dean. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Just a couple days ago, August 8th, in fact, the United Soccer Coaches announced the 2017-18 class for the association's 30 Under 30 program featuring 15 men and 15 women selected from more than 300 applicants. Launched in 2013, the 30 Under 30 program is a year-long education and mentorship opportunity designed to support up-and-coming members of the coaching profession who are 30 years of age or younger. Each participant receives an educational scholarship which provides registrations for the United Soccer Coaches Convention and an advanced diploma course of the coaches choosing, as well as a travel stipend to cover costs for attending these events. In addition, members of the 30 Under 30 program are matched with a mentor dedicated to fostering their growth in the game and expanding their coaching network. 
United Soccer Coaches highlights both current and former members of the 30 Under 30 program throughout the year across a variety of platforms, including this one right here, where we hope to visit with each and every member of this new class. With that as the backdrop, we are pleased to be joined by our first one. We're going to try to talk to all 30 throughout the year, and that is Edward Cartee. With Trinity University, he's the men's soccer assistant coach in San Antonio, Texas. And Edward Cartee, you are up first with the spotlight on you. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Dean, thank you so much for having me. This podcast has been incredible to listen to ever since you got it started, and it's an honor to be here. Well, thanks for saying that. I'm glad to hear that uh, you've been listening because certainly we love doing it, and we love covering every level of college soccer. So let's, uh, first of all, learn about uh, the process of applying for this. When did you decide to go for it, Edward, and talk about uh, that process, please? Well, uh, my head coach here at Trinity, Paul McGinley, uh, recommended that I uh, apply for it. And so this is actually the second year that I've applied. As you said, it's a really competitive pool. And I applied last year and um, this year, um, my second time around, I was fortunate enough to be selected um, after a process of submitting a number of reflections and essays, as well as providing a resume um, and other information that they wanted about the playing and coaching background uh, that I have. All right, we know you're entering your sixth season as an assistant coach at Trinity, a team that has won the conference championship in each of your previous five seasons. But let's get to know you. Where'd you grow up and uh, when did you break into soccer? Well, I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, played for what was then known as the Greensboro Soccer Club, which is now the Greensboro United Soccer Association. And then my junior and senior years of high school, I attended the IMG Soccer Academy in Bradenton, Florida, and had the pleasure there of being mentored by Tom Durkin, who was the director of the academy at that time. Um, really fantastic developmental experience for me, both on and off the field. And it was Coach Durkin who recommended that I look into Trinity University as potentially an ideal fit for me in terms of, of attending school and college soccer. And that was how I met Coach McGinley when I came on a recruiting visit to San Antonio. I played for Trinity uh, for four years. And really, as a result of coaches like Johnny Kamara in Williamsburg, Virginia, who I played on a Super Y League team in the summer with, um, several of the coaches that I had in Greensboro, um, Coach Durkin and Coach McGinley and, and others, um, and that also should include my parents, uh, both of whom are, are gifted teachers um, even in high school, I already kind of knew that coaching was a route that I eventually wanted to go down. At that point, I didn't know what that would look like yet. Uh, but I started pursuing um, coaching licensing even while I was in college. Um, I got my USSF A license at 25 um, while I was coaching um, back in Greensboro after graduating and then um, in 2012, um, Coach McGinley called me after um, his first assistant coach, who I had played for my senior year, 
had taken a Division One assistant coaching job, and he offered me the opportunity to come back and serve at my alma mater, um, which is one of the highest honors I think that you could have, and I'm, I'm blessed to be here, and um, the team has had a lot of success over the past five years, as you alluded to. Well, yeah, certainly we talked about you a lot over the last several years. And here's the deal, though. You're not just an assistant coach for Trinity. You're a high school coach in Texas where I understand you've won the state championship in 2014 and last year. Is that right, Coach? That's correct. Um, I've inherited a really fortunate situation here where the assistant coach at Trinity um, has the opportunity to also be uh, the head coach at Central Catholic High School, five minutes down the road um, here in downtown San Antonio. Um, it's a perennial powerhouse in, in Texas high school soccer. Even though the school is a private school that competes in TAPS, the Texas Association of Private and Parochial Schools, we also play against a number of uh, the University Interscholastic League, UIL, uh, 5A and 6A public school teams, and um, we won the state championship in TAPS in my second year in 2014 after going to the Final Four my first season on, on kind of a nice Cinderella run. And then um, just last season, the same freshman that won the championship in 2014 got to conclude their senior season with a second championship, so a really nice bookend for them. That team actually racked up a, a lot of honors, Dean. They were fortunate enough not only to um, win the state championship, but they were ranked number one in the city by the San Antonio Express News um, across all you know, 6A, 5A uh, public and private schools. They were ranked by the USC in the postseason poll as number 10 in the state of Texas, again, across all public and private schools and top drawer soccer had us listed at number 49 in the nation as far as winter season um, high school soccer teams. So it was really an incredible year for those boys. Very proud of them. And three of the five seniors in that group are going to be continuing their soccer careers in NCAA Division Three. Uh, this fall. That is big time. You're hearing the voice of Edward Carty, an assistant coach for the Trinity University men's soccer team in San Antonio. They're ranked 12th, by the way, in our NCAA Division Three preseason poll. And Edward Carty is a new member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 class. Okay, your mentor in the 30 Under 30 program, which is a key part of this program and it has been since the launch in 2013, is Neil Hall, who's the state director for Texas and an instructor for the United Soccer Coaches national staff. That's pretty cool. Definitely. I'm very blessed to have a, a coach of his stature that the program provides the opportunity for me to, to work with him on a regular basis. And he and I had communicated uh, via phone and email uh, last week, and then we met in person for the first time yesterday. And it's a really exciting opportunity, and I'm looking forward to learning a lot from him and, and sharing ideas, as well as obviously meeting all of the other um, young coaches that were recognized along with myself in the program. 
A lot of folks around the country give me a hard time for having a North Carolina bias. I want to point out that I did not know you were from Greensboro, North Carolina, by the way, as we picked you right off the top. Uh, that's outstanding uh, as I do this show in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I do a lot of work with Scott Wollaston and Twin City Youth Soccer as well. What a great uh, program they have as well. And, you know, of course, North Carolina FC. Do you get back to North Carolina much? I get back occasionally, but I feel like some of the state has come to me, too, because one of my youth coaches was Darren Powell, who's now the head coach of San Antonio FC. Big fan. In the USL right here in town. Um, I also played for Steve Allison, who works at Lone Star Soccer Club in Austin, and we've recruited players from him, and we've recruited players from Carl Fleming, who's the director of the Texans FC Houston um, so a lot of former um, Greensboro coaches who I played for and in some cases worked alongside um, that are that are now here in Texas. So it's been a nice little uh, reunion for me in that sense. In 30 seconds or less, your dream job in soccer is what? Probably to be a collegiate head coach um, at an elite academic institution, um, Trinity fits that description. A lot of other programs I grew up around Wake Forest University and their soccer camps when Coach Jay Vitovich was running that program. Um, And so I think I'm very much drawn to that type of an environment. Edward Cartee, you are a deserving member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. Pleasure to have you on. And indeed, thanks for listening, Edward. And we'll be following your team for sure all season long because we know you're going to make another great run. We hope so, and we're actually hoping to to start it out on a good note because we're sitting on a a home winning streak um, that goes all the way back to September 10th, 2013. I believe that's currently tied for the longest in in the nation, so hopefully uh, we can keep that alive. It's it's not an easy schedule, but we're blessed to have – another top 10 program in the country in Redlands coming in on opening weekend. Well, I want to thank Kurt Austin, the communications director for the United Soccer Coaches, for saying, hey, you know what? Every week, why don't you talk to the members of the 30 Under 30, and what a great way to kick it off. This is going to be fun. Edward Carty, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dean. I want to thank also the great Mia Ham, Rob Kehoe, Kadani McAlpine, Jeremy Gunn, and Edward Carty. What a great show, folks. To learn more, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.